So last week, I pulled the classic me, all right? I was so excited to get to Acts 6 and to get to Stephen. Raise your hand if you were here last week. All right, now put your hands right now. Raise your hand if you weren't here because you were on vacation, so we know who to hate. Okay, we hate you. All right, so there was a lot of people. And what is so cool about our church, I love this. People go on vacation, and they text me like, hey, I just want to show you I'm not going to be at church this Sunday because we're going on vacation. And I'm like, okay, that's great. And all that really does is make me not like you. And it's not because you're missing church. It's because you're going to the beach, and I'm not. Like, that's... That's the gist of it, but it's a really cool thing, so I know July's heavy like that. But last week, so I was so excited to get to Act 6. Um, it's just, I was just, I do that sometimes. And so, like, I ran through the first half, and I knew I did that. I even said that. I was like, I'm going to run through this real fast because re- I want to get to this point. But then I went back and I listened to it, um, which I really shouldn't do because every time I do that, I immediately want to retire and go into a different field of work. Um, but I listened to the message, and there's not one soul in this room that knew what I was talking about for the first 15 minutes because I... I didn't even understand what I was saying because I was talking so fast because I wanted to get there and, and then I slowed down on Act 6 and it was awesome because God was just there and it was a, it was a cool thing. So, but I, I want to go back and I want to spend five minutes going through Ephesians 4 really fast because it matters as we kind of close out uh, the, this, the gift, the, this gift series and this servant series. Um, and so I, I want to go back to that really fast because it is, it is important. I just want to do that justice because I didn't if my ADD and impatience and all the other Massive weaknesses that I have in my life. This is Ephesians 4, starting with verse 11. And so this is, it says, So Christ gave himself, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. All right, so what that, so what that means is, is that when Christ, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, as he ascended, as he ascended, as he went to sit to the right hand of the Father, it said that as he left, he left behind some gifts. And the gifts that he left behind were the apostles and the evangelists and the prophets and the pastors or the shepherds and the, and the teachers. Does that make sense? And we made this really funny joke last week. We said, so it, it doesn't say, and it's a small thing, but it is a significant thing. It doesn't say that he gave some men and some women some gifts of apostling. That's not what it says, Right. It says that he left behind some gifts, and the gifts were the apostles and the evangelists. And so what that means, as weird as it says, as weird, as weird as it is for me to say especially, is that what he left behind for the church or for the people, the gift that he left behind to equip them was the, the pastor, the preacher, the prophet, or the teacher. And so that's me. So like in your life, as long as you're a part of this church, the, the gift that he left behind for you is me. Sorry. So does that make sense? And so, and if you really want to think about this, you think about somebody like Billy Graham, what a gift he has been to that generation and to that nation. Does that make sense? The evangelist going around preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and how many people came to know Jesus through that. And if you look at somebody's life like that, and, and if, if the forward, any of the teenagers and stuff that have been coming to forward and, and they've experienced some of the, like Pastor Jensen Franklin that, that has built up the forward conference and all these pastors, and they would say, man, that's a gift. That's a gift to me, that conference and what they've done down there. And that's a gift. So if you think about it like that, does that make sense? It's a gift that he left behind. And, it, and, it, and it's not, and I think that where we get it wrong at is, is that in America, sometimes the, the pastor looks at that and they put the wrong emphasis in the sentence and they put the emphasis on the gift. And that's when pride takes over, arrogance takes over, and then the church or the organization becomes about them. And then when they begin to build up their own kingdom, God just slowly steps back and away from the church. And then you, you, you kind of have this thing that kind of takes off on its own, and it's not a very positive thing or a good thing, and there's not a lot of equipping going on, and it's just, it's just a lot of humanism and different things like that. Does that make sense? 
And so, so this, is, this is very significantly important that we understand the fullness of this scripture because of, of the end of it, because of what comes after it. He says that, so he left behind these, these, five, these, five, um, these five gifts, the apostles, the evangelists, the prophets, the, the shepherds, the pastors, and the teachers in order that they, that they equip the people or perfect the saints. And what that means is, and that's you guys, that you're the people. And you're the saints, like you're, you're the believers and you're the followers of Jesus. And, and, and if I am where I need to be with the Lord, if I'm humbling myself before God, if I'm living as a living sacrifice, because remember this whole thing started with Romans 2, which we're going to come back to, is being a living sacrifice. Everybody remember that? Being a living sacrifice. That's where this whole thing started. So if I'm a living sacrifice, if I'm serving Jesus, if I'm laying my life down, if I'm humbling myself before God, if I'm where I'm supposed to be, if I'm doing what I've been called to do, if I'm doing my job and my calling and my purpose well, then what, what is being produced out of, out of my giftings and my, and my talents and my life should be equipping you guys to go and do what you've been called to do. Does that make sense? And what, where I think that we, we've gotten this wrong, I think, and especially in the last few generations, and especially in traditional churches, is they've, they've placed, what, when they've read this, they've read that, that the, the, the equipping and the work of the ministry and all that other stuff that follows all falls on the five. And that's not what it says at all. It says that the five, and so what that does is, is that cut y'all completely out. That means that y'all just come in, sit, and one or two people do all the work, and that's why 90% of pastors start in the ministry and then they leave. You ever heard that statistic? It's very accurate. Does that make sense? And so what happens is if you, if you read it the way God wrote it, and you don't really need to be a theology major to understand this. You just need to know some fourth grade grammar, understand commas and semicolons. All it means is, English joke, all it means is, is that if I'm doing my job well, then I'm equipping you, then you making yourself available to be equipped, begin to do the work of the ministry or the work of service. Does that make sense? And then when, when I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, then there's a lot of awesome things that begin to take place. Namely, the church begins to be built up. And this is what we kind of talked about last week. And I talked about this and we're like this. And I said, well, the church built up and the service is going to be built up. And I was like, isn't that all awesome? And everybody was like, and then I was like, Acts 6, let's talk about Stephen. And then I slowed down. But this is what we all missed last week. So I just want, to, I want, I want us to understand this. He says, but we're going to build the church up. And when, when I'm doing my job and I'm humbling myself before God and I'm equipping you and you're making yourself available and you're, you're humbling yourself and you're, you're a living sacrifice and you're out for the glory of God and you're not living for yourself, but you're living for God and you're making yourself available and you're, you're serving and you're, you're working for the, in the service and in the ministry and, and you're, you're doing your thing and I'm doing my thing and, and this is the way that the church is supposed to work and the system, the way that it's supposed to work. This is the thing that begins to take place right here. We all begin to reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and we become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I don't even know how to begin to tell you what the whole measure of the fullness of Christ is, but it's incredible, and it's awesome, and we need it, and we want it. Does that make sense? So that's just what we want. That's what we need. We need, the, we need to attain the, the fullness and the whole measure of Jesus Christ. That's what we want in our lives. And he says the way we do that is when you've got, you've got preachers and you've got prophets and teachers and, and evangelists humbling themselves before God, laying themselves down as servants and, and a living sacrifice for Jesus, serving the people, serving God, serving the glory of God, building up the kingdom, being used by God to equip the people. And the people aren't consumers, 
but they are making themselves available, laying themselves down in order to be equipped so that they can go out and do the work of the ministry outside the four walls. And when everybody's doing the thing that God has called them to do, we begin to grow and spiritually advance in Christ and begin to attain the whole measure of Jesus Christ. It's an incredible thing. Then we will no longer be whiny, spoiled, brat, little baby infants. I ad-lib there just a touch. But it's, it's true. And I'm working very hard on not saying the F word and the Christian F word, F-R-E-E-A-K-I-N-G. That's how you spell it. I'm working hard on not saying that. But this is where I really want to say it a lot right here. This exists inside of the church. It always has. Everybody, anybody ever read through like the Israelites going through the desert? It was like Moses and a million babies. Whining, complaining, grumbling. What about me? I don't like it. It sounds too loud. It's not loud enough. It's too cold. It's too hot. I don't like the color of the chairs. I don't like them. <laughs> Shut up. I want to go back, and I want to go back, just being a pastor for the last five years, I want to go back to, to all the colleges and all the, all the seminaries and all the things in the world, and I'm like, yes, you need a class called child care. And they're like, oh, we have child's ministry. Mm. No, child care for 18-year-olds and above. I want, I need, we need that in the church. We need that in the church, right? He says, but you're no longer going to be infants because life's no longer going to be about you. You're going to grow. You're going to mature. You're going to become wise. You're going to grow up. Life's no longer going to be about you. You're going to stop, you're going to stop dabbling in the, in the thing, as Paul says. You're going, to stop, you're, going to, you're going to grow away from the milk. You're going to be able to grow up. Grow, you're going to grow wise. You're going to stop dealing with the things that you've always dealt with. When you plug yourself into the system and you, and you live as a living sacrifice and you do the things you've been, you've been called to do, well, there will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and the craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead of being babies, speaking the truth in love, listen, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So what he says is, is if, 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 if I'm doing my job, and, and I'm living as a living sacrifice, and I'm serving God and the kingdom and the church and you by doing what I've been called to do, and you're doing the same thing in, in your way, in your world, and you're doing your thing, that as we begin to do this, there's something that special begins to take place. And in your life, and, and as the body as a whole, we begin to spiritually advance in the kingdom. And we begin to grow. We grow wise, and we grow in knowledge, and we grow in faith. And the things that we dealt with, we begin to stop dealing with them. We begin to transform. It's an amazing and it's a beautiful thing. But what does it hinge on? It hinges on us becoming servants and doing the things that God has called us to do. Right? Not, I didn't make that up. God, God wrote it. And I know that that goes against, like, every ounce of American Christianity. I get that. But there is some power in people laying down their lives and actually doing something for the glory of God. 
And, and, and as we progress through this, it's important that we get this now, because as we progress through the message today, you're going to understand the significance of why it is this way and why it has to be this way. And so I'm going to go back to, to Romans 2. Remember Romans 2, and I'm, I'm not going to read it. It just says, lay down your life as a living sacrifice in view of everything that God has done for you. He's created you. He's saved you. He's, 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 he's filled you with his spirit. He's given you life, abundant life. He's given you purpose. He's given you gifts and talents and abilities. He's just basically done everything that he could ever do for you. He's done for you out of nothing but love. And he says, Paul says, because of this, lay down your life as a living sacrifice. Stop living for yourself and live for God. He says, don't conform to the world. Don't conform to the world. Don't, don't be like the culture. Live, think differently, live differently. Don't conform to the culture. Lay down your life. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think differently, live for God. And then he goes right after that, he rolls right into talking about the gifts and being used by God. And he's got a super incredibly powerful point that super duper matters. And we're going to get to that. Right now, and this is what he says, in, starting in verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and listen to this sentence, and each member belongs to all the others. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, Form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Are you guys ready for this? Are you, are you ready? Okay, because I'm, I'm a. This, you ready? Because when I say what I'm about to say, I'm going to take away every excuse you have to not do anything with your life. And it doesn't, that, that doesn't sound big, but it's huge. Because I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm literally going to take everything you could possibly say to me, to your spouse, to your kids, to Jesus on the day of judgment. I'm going to take everything, every ounce of thing. Why didn't you do what I called you? Why didn't you live in your life? Why didn't you? I'm about to take it all away. And, and just one very simple point. Paul says, everything that God has done for you, because he, everything that he's done, lay down your life as a living sacrifice. Don't conform to the world. Don't live like them. It's going to chew you up and spit you out. There's nothing but brokenness, darkness, evil, war, death. Why would you want to be a part of that anyway? There is nothing but life and peace and harmony and joy in Christ. It says your life is now hidden in Christ. Don't conform to that. Don't be brainwashed by the culture. Live for Jesus. Lay down your life as a living sacrifice. He moves straight into this. You form, all of us, we form one body. We're all different. Black, white, red, and yellow. We all look different, act different. We're here for different reasons. And then Paul gets super, super not theological. And he says, hey, this is what this means. If you're a leader, lead. If you're a prophet, prophesy. If you're a giver, give. Whatever you have, whatever you possess, whatever gift you have, whatever you're good at, whatever time you have, whatever you have, whatever gift you have, this is the overall point. Use it for God's glory, period. 
today, right now. That's it. Use it for God's glory. If you're not doing that, your life is not in the will of God. Period. Did you hear me? No, you didn't hear me. No, you didn't hear me. If you are not taking what God has given you, the air in your lungs, the life that you have, the time you have during the day, the skill set that he's given you, everything you have in your life, he's given you. And see, a lot of times the, the problem is, is that when you look at gifts, you think like what I do. I, I preach and I teach and I do this. And you look at that as a gift. If you look at the randomness at which Paul's stating random gifts, there's prophecy in there and there's teaching in there. But then he's like, hey, you want to serve? That, that pretty much cuts everything out. Right? If your gift is serving, what is serving? Anything. You can serve in the kids' ministry. You can serve in the parking lot. You can serve at the gas station. You can serve at the grocery store. You can serve. Give. How do you know if you can give? Do you have anything? Raise your hand if you have anything. You have clothes on your back. Then you can give. You have more than, what did Jesus say? And see, here's the thing. If you go through and you begin to look at this, all the things that Jesus said begins to make more and more sense. Who has two coats, give one away. Right? So this is Paul's overall point. A living sacrifice, living for the glory of God, this is how you do that day-to-day on a practical level. Whatever you possess, whatever gift you have, whatever you're good at, whatever you're passionate at, whatever you have, use it for the glory of God, period. Today, right now. Right? So here's a question. Why are you not doing that? You ever think about it? Like, why, why, why are you not doing that? If all the growth, all the faith, all the wisdom, all the maturity, all the joy, all the abundance, all the peace, all that stuff that, that, that comes from living as a living sacrifice, all that stuff that comes from all the growth, all that stuff that comes from, from being a servant, all that stuff that comes from it, you know, why, why, why not just take it and do it? I'm going to go to one more scripture. We already had this one too. This is in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is before it gets into the talking about some of the gifts of the spirits. He says this, this right here. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Different kinds of gifts, different kinds of service, different kinds of working. I'm going to tell you that, that word working in the Greek it literally just means the results of working or effectiveness is what that means. So this is what it says. This is there's different kinds of gifts, there's different kinds of services, and there's different kinds of effectiveness, meaning that the gifts that you possess, God gave you those gifts. And there's a million different ways that you can take those gifts and use them in service to the Lord. And then there's the effectiveness of using your gifts and then serving the Lord. And God is at using all of them in order to accomplish his mission and his will. Does that make sense? So there's all kinds of gifts that you have. Everybody, everybody in this room, you possess a gift. You possess, you're artistic, you can play music, you can lead, you can give, you can do math. If you can do math, you can do accounting, and then you can, help, you, can, you, can, you can do a million things like that. If you can play music, you can serve, you can love and hug people, you have good personalities. I mean, every single person in this room, you understand and you believe, I hope that you believe you have a gift and you have a purpose and you were put here and you 
you were put into the body of Christ for a very distinct purpose. And remember that one sentence, you belong to each other. When you don't do the thing that you do, the body can't operate the same way. Does that make sense? So you have gifts that matter. Then there's services. There's all kinds of things that you could do with those gifts. There's all kinds of ways that you could serve. And then there's effectiveness and there's work. There's, there's all kinds of things that you could do. And God's working in all level of these things. So there's gifts, there's services, and there's, there's workings and there's effectiveness that God's at work. And so he's saying, listen, you have gifts. You know that you have gifts. You know that you have gifts. You know you do. Because you take those, same very, those very same gifts and you go out into the world and you succeed with them. And you spend your life building up your kingdom with them. Right? Right? Come on. Right? That's what we do. That's what we call life. That's what we call the American dream. Take the life that God gave us, the air in, the, the, in our lungs that God gave us, the time that God gave us, the resources that God gave us, the gifts and the talents and the abilities that God gave us. We take all of that from God, and then we go out into the culture, and we use everything that God gave us to build up all, our own kingdom and hoard it all for ourselves. And we say, this is good. And God says, I gave you all those gifts and all those time and all the resources and life and air for my glory and my kingdom. So take the gifts, use them in service to me, and I will work in that for the effectiveness of my glory and my kingdom. And there's three primary reasons why Americans don't live their life like this. Don't ever become servants. And I want to talk about three of them really fast. And then I want to talk about why. Why it's so important that we wrap our minds around this. Number one, the number one reason why is because we've conformed to consumerism. 100%. This word has been something that's been in my heart and my mind for months. Because I think that this is, this is the thing, one of the primary things that has absolutely butchered and made the church powerless in this country. And I don't just mean with the people. I'm talking about with, with the leadership. It's become about us and like what we can do. And, and, what, and, and look, at, look at the way at which we, 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 we go and we do. Many people go and do churches. We don't, we don't stand and we pray and say, Lord, I want, I want you to take me wherever you want me to go. I want to serve in whatever church you want me to serve in. I'll open up the door. We go, what can, what, what, what can I give me the most? What, what can I benefit the most from? Who's got the music that I like, the preaching that I like, the kids' ministry that I like? What, and we do it the same way that we shop, the same way that we, per, that we, it's the same consumer mentality that we have in the world we bring into the house of God, right? We do that. It's okay, we, but we do that. But then we take that same thing and we move it into our relationship with God and our relationship with the church when we get inside of it. And it's about us. And it's about what makes us comfortable. It's about what, what we need. And we want to take in 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 and we want to take in. And we, take in. And we don't want to serve. And we don't want to give back. There's this angst in us. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. And then when we do serve, when we do serve, that's enough. I'm going to lay that back down. I served last month, not serving twice a month. Right? No, I served in March. It's, I'll serve next March. Right? 
This is, this, is my, this is my other thing right here. I love this. That's not a part of my calling. I don't, I, it's, kids' ministry is not a part of my calling. That's called not being faithful with the small things. So, my friend, you will never experience the big things. Do you know the first thing I ever did? Take one wild guess. Kids' ministry. No lie. You asked, you ask, I went in, I was a Wednesday night kids' ministry, the first thing they ever had me to do. I didn't know what in the world to do. The only thing I knew how to do was preach. So I walked in, I turned off the lights, I had two little lamps on, I lined up, they were like, I don't know, eight or nine. Lined them up in little seats, sat up there in a chair, opened up my Bible, and yelled at them. <laughs> two of them gave their hearts to Christ. Next Wednesday, did the same thing. The same two got saved again. It was, <laughs> no lie. It was awesome. I had 90 salvations that year. Only two people got saved, though. It's the weirdest thing. We serve everywhere. I mean, that, you just lay down your life. It, it, you, just, you just serve. When you're a servant, you just serve. You just serve. And when you, when you have that, that consumer mentality of just what, what makes, you know, what, what I want, what I need, it's about me. It's about what, what makes me happy. It's about, you know, I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, you are going to miss life in general. You're going to miss life. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I think that you think that we have like a, a volunteer problem. We don't have a volunteer problem. We have a ton of volunteers, and I love it. I love it. We have an awesome, an awesome team of volunteers. And we, we always want more volunteers to come and serve. We, we, we want that. We love that. We need that always. But I'm, this is nothing to do. This is not like a, a recruitment message. Please don't mistake that. This is truly for you. You are going to miss out on some serious joy and satisfaction in this life by consumerism mentality. You're gonna, I'm telling you right now. And here's the thing. Do you remember the talents? I'm telling you, if you begin to look at this through Jesus' eyes, all the things that Jesus said begins to make it more and more and more sense. If you don't use what God has given you and the opportunities that God gives you, do you remember the story of the talents? Do you remember that? This is going to, this is going to really hurt somebody's feelings. Just prepare your hearts. He said, who has will have more. And who has little, I'll take it away from them if they don't use it. He said, I gave the man five. He used it. He turned into ten. And the man that had one, he buried it. He didn't use it. I took it from him, and I gave it to the man who had now ten. I'm telling you, there's a lot of people right now, and for, for a consumer mentality reason, you are going to. And, and, and it's not going to be the world and the culture and the devil. Go back and you read that. Who takes away the opportunity? God. He says, if you're faithful with the small things, then I will. You humble yourself down, I will exalt you. The greatest, the greatest position, he said, who wants to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? Those who make themselves like lowly children, take the lowest position. Consumers will never take the lowest position. The greatest opportunity I ever had in my life as a teenager, one of the, that opened up the door for me to do, to this day, one of the greatest opportunities in ministry I ever had besides this church, one of the greatest opportunities I had as a teenager as a church, it happened because there was a need to clean bathrooms, and nobody wanted to do it, and I stepped up to clean the bathrooms. And so I went in every single morning at 5.30 in the morning to clean the bathrooms, and I hated it with a passion. But the pastor of this church in Ohio came in every single morning, and it was weird because he came in every single morning to that bathroom specifically to do a thing. And so he walked in, and I walked out, and I stayed out for a while. But eventually, 
He said, you clean the bathrooms every day? And I said, yeah, I clean the bathrooms every day. And I wound up getting to go clean his bathroom and, there and do their thing. And then I built a relationship with this specific man. And I learned so much from him. And I'm telling you right now, God, I'm telling you right now, there are opportunities that you will miss out on because of a consumer mentality. And five years will go by, 10 years will go by, 15 years will go by, and 20 years will go by. And you will ask God one day, you'll say, well, why won't doors open up for me? And, why? and he'll say, I opened up 20 doors for you. You just didn't go through them because you were too good for it, because you didn't have time for it, because you cherished comfortableness over it, because you were too lazy for it, because that wasn't your calling. What is your calling anyway? What does that even mean? Your calling is to give glory to God. That's your calling. Your calling is to lift Jesus up. Your calling is to serve those in need. I find it, if you go back and you read Ephesians and you understand the heart of that, those who serve, grow, and spiritually advance, it's within that that your primary purpose becomes available. I knew, I knew that I was going to be a preacher early on. I knew that. But I did 200 things before I became, this was the first church I ever pastored in my whole life. And, and for years, I did all kinds of everything from running video cameras to cleaning bathrooms to doing kids ministry. And there was a lot of stuff. They were like, okay, you, you don't need to do this anymore. But I served wherever I got my hands on. Do you know, oh man, I didn't think about this. Y'all heard this story before. Do you know how the, the, way this, the, 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 the way the Lord opened up the door to eventually get me here at this church and, and open up this part of my life? Because I took on something. I, they, I, there was an opportunity to do a conference. And I thought they were going to ask me to speak at the conference. And I was like, oh man, yeah, I'm awesome. We'll do the speaking. We got there and they wanted me to drive around and ask people for money for the conference. And I was like, this is stupid. This is the worst thing imaginable. But I did it with a humble heart. I did it out of rage and anger and frustration. <laughs> but I did it. And it was out of that that I met a man who became a great friend, opened up the door of the church. And now, now this, all of this came from that one thing. Does that make sense? I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, you just keep sitting by waiting and you'll be 30 and you'll be 40 and you'll be 50. And then, then the, the, the story of the talents will make sense. And you'll realize that what he gave you, he took because you buried it. Because of consumerism. Consumerism is going to steal from you, not everybody else. Does that make sense? Number two, idols of the heart. This is a huge one. Idols of the heart, and I, I don't want to get into a big theological thing. Idols of the heart is simply this right here. Something you shift the, the eyes of your heart and the, the desire of your heart on more than Jesus Christ. And that may be career and all the classic career, money, houses, all that stuff. You know, women, men, husbands, wives, whatever, all that stuff. You have idols of your heart that, that shift over. Some of the ones that people don't think about pride, power, all the, the ones that people think about just simply being comfortable. This is one that is huge in our country right now. I just don't want to be outside my comfort zone. I just want to be lazy. Saw a guy this morning at the gas station about 5.30 this morning. We had a great time laughing at his shirt. It said, I'm not lazy. I just really, 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 really enjoy doing nothing every day. I was like, that's hilarious. Like, where'd you get that? And he said, my wife made it for me. I was like, that's funny. Right? But there's, there's so much. And it's just because we just, we just, we don't want, we just don't want responsibility in our life. We just don't want it when it comes to the church, when it comes to serving. We don't want, and here's what it is, and this truthfully, and this is what I'm a, another thing that's going to hurt, it's going to hurt your feelings just a little bit. You don't want any kind of added response. This is how you know that it's connected to an eye of the heart. You don't want anything to inherit any responsibility or anything that you're not getting something out of. 
You don't want to serve. You don't want to go. You don't want to do if you're not going to get something out of it. It's very, very, very difficult for you. You can go. That's why you can go and you can, you can work 50, 60, 70 hours a week because you think you're gaining something. It's connected to that thing that you want. Hey, do you, can you serve once every six months? Nah, I don't have time. Well, you can sit and you can watch TV for 75 hours a week. I can ask you what's going on with the Kardashians. You're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> right, hey, will you watch kids on Wednesday night? Oh, no, I can't. I can't. Uh, it's, not my, it's not my calling. I can't do it. Right? So any, any, anytime you have an opportunity to serve and you don't, I would always, I was all, I'm not, no judgment, no condemnation. I would always challenge you truly in your heart, why? Ask yourself why. And then ask yourself, what are you costing yourself? What opportunity in the future are you costing yourself? What opportunity in the moment are you costing yourself? And this classic, I promise you, there, there's nothing that you're going to gain no amount of money, no amount of no job, no career. There's nothing out there, I promise you, from someone who has, has chased so much in his life and someone who has chased the Lord, there's nothing out there that is going to be anywhere close to what God offers you when it comes to satisfaction, peace, and joy. There's nothing. Everything out there is, is dysfunctional, and it's fake. It's a house of cards. And you know it because every time you obtain the thing that you think is going to bring you the satisfaction and it doesn't, it's when you go into a world of depression. It's not not obtaining the thing that ruins your life. It's finally getting it and realizing you've been deceived. It's giving your entire life to something, finally getting it and realizing it. It's never what you thought it was going to be. Eyes of your heart. And the third one, Taylor, you can go ahead and come up here. And the third one, this is a big one. I want you all to listen to me. Come in close. The lie of the enemy that says you're not good enough to serve. That says you're not ready to serve. That says you're not prepared to serve. That says you're not qualified to serve. Says you've got too much sin in your life to serve. That says you don't have the knowledge of the Bible enough to serve. You're not talented enough. I know that you know this, but I think sometimes people need to be reminded that God is all-powerful all-sufficient, needs nothing from you except you. He's not looking at you and going, man, he's so talented, I really need him on my team. Right? He's not looking at... Every ounce of power, every ounce of ability, every ounce of... He, he, He will give you every single thing that you need. He just needs you to be a servant. Does that make sense? And when it comes to the idea of being perfect or being ready or being all that stuff, do you know, do you know the, not your definition and not religion's definition and not American Christian's definition of righteous, but do you know the Bible's definition of righteous in Proverbs? you know what it says? It says a righteous man is somebody that falls and gets up seven times. It's not perfection. You're never going to be ready on that level. Like you're never going to be good enough on that level. You're always going to fall, but a righteous man gets up. If you and I had made a deal and we were like, hey, Every time I fall before God, every time I'm not perfect before God, I'm not going to preach. We'd have guest speakers up here pretty much every week. Doesn't mean it's heinous sin, but I'm not perfect. He doesn't need perfection. He doesn't need ultra-talented. He doesn't need qualified. He just needs 
a vessel. He just needs you. Does that make sense? And it's very important, and this is where I want, and this is the one thing, and if you haven't been listening, I want you to come in, I want you to listen to this. This is the thing the Lord has just put in my heart for several weeks now. When you look back in the early church, and you look at wherever, like, God just rapidly moves, wherever the love of Christ just seems to explode, and people just come to know him just in crazy, awesome, powerful ways. There is one significant similarity to those moments, those seasons, those areas. And it's not great preachers. It's not. It's not some, there's, there's not some great person, some great leader, or even a few great leaders. It's not. It's servants of Jesus Christ. It's just people who are laying down their lives as servants. And this is the one sentence, this is the one thing that the Lord put in my heart, and it has dominated my thoughts. And this has been the prayer that I have prayed for this church. My prayer has been this, that we would all be servants. This is the prayer that I have prayed, that we would all be servants, because this is what the Lord put in my heart, that servants, that servants become open, open doors for the love of Christ to flow through and pursue the lost and the hurt and the empty of this world. When you become a servant of Jesus Christ, a true servant of Jesus Christ, and you lay down your life as a living sacrifice, and you come to a place in your life and a conclusion in your life that there is nothing worth living for more than Jesus, and you just get to a place where you decide every single day, every single second of every single day, I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to live for the name of Jesus and for the glory of God, and I'm going to work for Jesus. I'm going to serve Jesus. Whatever that means, whatever that is, whatever that I'm going to use, whatever gifts I have, whatever talents I have, whatever time I have, whatever resources I have, I'm going to use it not for pursuit, church. Not just for this body of believers. Not just for this community, but ultimately for the glory of God. I'm going to lay it down and I'm going to serve. Every time I get an opportunity to serve, I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm going to lay down my life. Servants, you become an open door. Your life becomes an open door through which the love of Christ flows through it and begins to reach people. The lost and the hurt and the dying people around you. I want you to think about where you work. Do you know what God's plan is to reach the people where you work? You are God's plan to reach the people where you work. Do you know the gas station you're at this morning pumping gas on the way to church? Do you know what God's plan was to reach the people around that gas station pumping gas? You were. The people that you go to school with, the people that you work with, the people that you're around with, you are. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. So I want you to notice, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is in heaven sitting at the right hand of the Father. Jesus and the Father in heaven, the Holy Spirit is down here. And the whole thing is about empowering who? You, to do the work of the ministry so that you can go out beyond these four walls and to reach the lost, the hurt, and the dying of the world. Not to go and make some money and to build up some kingdom and to do something that will burn at the end of this whole thing but to reach souls and to reach people who are hurt. Do you know how many people, they need the love of Jesus right now, not tomorrow, not next week. They need the love of Jesus, the mercy, the grace of Jesus, the message of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus. They need Jesus right now. There are people in need right now of Jesus, and you are the plan for which he is going to flow through you and do it. But if you have a consumer mentality, 
or you're still chasing the idol of the heart, or you've not yet become a servant because for you life is still about money and life is still about building up and life is still about this and selfishness dominates you and you're never going to lay down your life and you're never going to serve unless you get something from it. It's just that's life's just about you. You become a closed door and the love of Christ will never flow through you. And so as you kind of go through life building up all these absolutely worthless things, there are people hurting and dying. And when this whole thing is, they're going to go to hell because you wanted to make some more money or you didn't have time or you wanted to be comfortable. And when you stand before Jesus one day, I will guarantee it, you will stand before Jesus one day. And the person, Jesus Christ, who died for your sins, he will ask you, I died for you. Why couldn't you give up some time? Why couldn't you give up some weeks? Why couldn't you give that up to be an open door from my love to reach them? How do you think that conversation is going to go? Servants are the open door through which the love of Christ will pursue the loss and the hurt and the empty of this life. I want you to think about the, the people and the gifts and the talents and the servants that played a role in you coming to know Jesus. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe it was a preacher. Maybe it was somebody that invited you to church. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it was somebody in kids ministry. Maybe it was somebody in youth. Maybe it was just somebody that came in and, and helped you and was there with you. Maybe it was some kind of leader or a teacher. Maybe it was somebody. But I want you to think about the people that made time for you. I want you to think about the people that laid down for you. Why wouldn't you lay down for others? And so if we, if we put all this together, I wrote this out in just one sentence. Christ's gifts are to equip his people who, empowered by the Holy Spirit, use their gifts in works of service, whatever that may be. And through this process, God pursues the lost, makes his love known to the world, blesses heals and grows his people in Christ. So when you get to that, that place of servanthood and laying down your life and serving Jesus, two or three things happen. You grow. You spiritually advance. Your purpose expands. You find out who you are really and what you're supposed to do in this life. The Spirit just absolutely begins to dominate you. You find a joy and a peace and a satisfaction that you've never really had before. And then he uses you to reach others and change the world. And we all grow. And we all expand. Or we can all be consumers and keep that door closed as tight as possible. And then the love of Christ doesn't flow and it doesn't reach. And then you become absolutely miserable because you don't grow. You don't expand in the faith and knowledge of Jesus. You don't experience the satisfaction. You don't ever find that purpose you keep chasing. You don't ever find that joy. You don't ever get to be used. And you just keep asking, Why, what's this life for? What's this life for? What's this life for? And you, you never actually bring glory to God. And you just keep sitting. And you just keep sitting. Life goes on. And you get old and fat and die. Right? It's life. Jesus says there is purpose in me. Your life is hidden in me. And if you will lay down your life before me, 
And not tomorrow, not when you're prepared, not when you're good enough. If you will just begin to, whatever gifts, I, whatever gifts you have, just today, right now, begin to use them for God's glory. The Holy Spirit will flood your life. You will begin to spiritually advance and grow in the faith. God will begin to use you to reach other people. There will be a new sense of purpose, a new sense of abundance, a new sense of joy, a new sense of peace in your life. A new sense of satisfaction. And the body begins to operate the way it's supposed to operate. And we see God move in a way many of us have never experienced. So ultimately, it's not others that lose, it's you that lose. You miss out on what you've been called to do by not laying down your life as a servant of Jesus. And so I want to encourage you at the end of this. One of the things that I want us to start praying about is this year, I mean, I just want you to serve. Just start serving. Serve in the church, serve on teams, serve in the community, just serve. Just pray about where to serve and just start serving. If you have gifts, use them. But one of the things that we're going to start praying about, and there's more to come with this in next week, one of the things the Lord has laid deep in my heart for 2018 is for us to start doing some crazy, awesome stuff in our community, in our back door, in a way that we never have before. And starting next week, and I'm going to, we're going to I'm going to do a sermon about it, we're going to talk about it. We're going to start 21 days of, of praying for that 2018 purpose. And my heart and my prayer is that through that, through that 21 days, that the Lord will reveal opportunities in your life for you to serve so that you can become an open door for God to pursue the lost and the hurting and the dying. There is no reason not to be used by God, period. And it's within that reality that you will find supreme purpose in Jesus Christ. He created you for a reason. It's my heart's cry that you will find that reason and give glory to God with you.